0: Welcome back friends to Hope is a Prayer Way. I am your host, Pastor JJ, and before we descend on our Bible study today, I would like to remind you that all of my Bible studies are free for you to download and copy and all of my Bible studies come with no strings attached. There are no registrations, there's no email requirements, uh, no subscription fees, uh, no thumbs up, no like buttons nothing, and you will never pay a penny for any of the Bible studies that we post on our website. The Lord Jesus paid uh, the price for you and me, so we're here to learn about Christ, and I'm going to do my very best to help connect you with our Lord and Savior. Amen. We do have a voluntary contact form if you would like to get Our latest Bible study before it gets posted to our website, but it's 100% voluntary. Our website, should you care to uh, review what we have, it's www.hopeisaprayeraway.com. Now, let's get into the Word of God. And in today's Bible study, we're going to be studying about the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church... And this is part one. This is going to be an introduction into eschatology. Now, what is eschatology? Eschatology is the field of Christian theology, which concerns the study of last things. It is the study of Christ's return, the resurrection, the rapture, the final judgment, the eternal blessedness, of the redeemed of the redeemed with christ and the eternal punishment of the damned apart from his presence that's very sad but it will happen upon these rudimentary points there is considerable agreement yet with regard to the particulars there has been a wide diversity of thought among christians from the very early centuries of the church the various eschatologies promoted by the theologians throughout history can be organized into three general systems, a millennialism, postmillennialism, and premillennialism. Now, each term, as you see, is prefixed by, attached to the word millennium, which is a compound of two Latin words, mille, which means thousand, and and anus, which means year. So the reason for this nomenclature is because over time, each view began to be known by its interpretation, and then specifically of Revelations, chapter 20, and verses 1 through 10. So this is where all these three thoughts uh, come into play. And the interpretation of the three uh three thoughts or the three views now particularly the timing of the return of christ with reference to the period of a thousand years mentioned therein so this is where 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 the uh, hermeneutics of the bible come into play and uh, and we know that the hermeneutics what it means is in seminary we're taught to go back and consider everything what was the language what were the words that were used? What was common? And uh, and what did these words mean in the Hebrew? What do they mean in the Greek? What do they mean in the Aramaic? So you have to try to put all these puzzles. It's like a puzzle. You try to put it together. And you try to see uh, what, was, what was the context in which things were being said and done. Therefore, a millennialist. Expect no millennium. The prefix "a" means no. post believe Christ returns after the millennium. The prefix "post" means after. And the premillennialists believe Christ returns before the millennium. The prefix "pre" means before. So, a millennialism, although a although a millennialist. Expect no millennial kingdom, this does not mean a millenniist deny a millennial a millennium entirely, as the terminology may seem to imply. Now Anthony Hokima provides a concise amenilial interpretation of Revelation twenty. Yes, friends, I, I, I struggled with saying these words in seminary as well. Nothing has changed, so please pray for me. Amillennius pre- interpret the millennium as descending or as describing the present reign of the souls of the deceased believers in, with Christ in heaven. They understand the binding of Satan as being in effect during the entire period between the first and second coming of Christ, though ending shortly before, the, before Christ's return. They teach that Christ will return after this heavenly reign. A millennialist believe also that we are presently living in the millennial kingdom, which is characterized by the simultaneous experience of the gospel victory and suffering for the gospel. This obviously indicates that a millennialist interpret the 1,000-year one, the 1, reign figuratively, Now the gospel is victorious because Satan is bound, rendering him incapable of preventing the spread of the gospel. Yet he is not utterly powerless from persecuting the church. Just before the end, Satan will again be permitted to deceive the nations and persecution will increase dramatically. Christians are awaiting the visible bodily return of Christ. I know I am, which brings to an end all of their sufferings. Amen. Now the second coming occurs concurrently with the general resurrection and the public rapture of the church, who immediately returns to earth with Christ. Then Christ, ju- Christ then judges the world and finally ushers in the eternal state. And poured to a millennialist, understanding is the tension of already and not yet. Christians presently live in an inaugurated kingdom as Christ reigns from heaven, yet they await the kingdom's full realization when Christ reigns on earth eternally. The inaugurated kingdom endures tribulation and suffering, but also victory as the gospel spreads In the consummate kingdom, the new heavens and the new earth will be eternal rest. There will be eternal rest. Another key point of this view is understanding of the Old Testament prophecy, especially as interpreted by the New Testament. A millennialist hold the promise made to Israel, David and Abraham in the Old Testament, and are fulfilled by Jesus Christ and his church during this present age. Since these promises have been fulfilled, no future fulfillment is required. a point to the passages which which teach that the consummation of history occurs at the second coming, with only the eternal state following. a believe their interpretation of Revelation 20 has recapitulated in re-present the events described in Revelation 19 rather than following it in chronological success. Now, let's look at view number two, post-millennianism. Holds to the view Christ will return after the millennium. And as with amillennianism, the terminology falls short. In a strictly chronological sense, the amillennialists and the postmillennialists agree that Christ's return will be after the millennium. In fact, amillennialists were known as postmillennialists until the 20th century. Postmillennialists generally agree with the amillennial interpretation of Revelation 20. The two agree the millennium is figurative and not a literal thousand-year period, and that it is a time in which the gospel is preached throughout the world, as Satan is currently bound. They also agree on the general course of events and the end of times. When Jesus comes, then the general physical resurrection of the righteous and the wicked occurs, followed by the final judgment, And culminating with the new heavens and the new earth. Now, what distinguishes the postmillennialism and from the amillennialism is is not the timing of the second coming in relation to the millennium, but the nature of the millennium. Whereas amillennialists expect the church to experience both victory and suffering simultaneously until the second coming, postmillennialists maintain a gradual end to much of the church's suffering before Christ's return. They expect a golden age of righteousness on earth, the millennium, in which the church experiences increasing prosperity and great influence on the culture. The golden age is what a post-millennialist understands as the millennium. Now, Lorraine Botner defines po- postmillennialism this way she says postmillennialism is the view of the last things which hold that the kingdom of god is now being extended in the world through the preaching of the gospel and the saving work of the holy spirit in the hearts of individuals that the world will eventually is to be christianized and that the return of Christ is to occur at the close of a long period of righteousness and peace commonly called the millennium now let's look at another another, another view is premillennialism and there are two premillennial systems there is historic premillennial, pre-millennial and then there's dispensational premillennialism Historic premillennialism is labeled such because it more or less resembles the premillennial, pre-millennial held during the ancient times, known as chiliasm. Now, dispensational premillennialism derives its name from their the from the theology developed by John Nelson Darby in the 19th century that divides the Bible history into a series of ages or dispensations. Now both forms of the premillennialist follow a chronological and more literal reading of Revelation 20 uh, verses 1 through 6 as subsequent to the return of Christ and the final battle in Revelation 19, 11 through 21. Now George Ladd defines premillennialism as the doctrine stating that after the second coming of Christ, Christ will reign for a thousand years over the earth before the final consummation of God's redemptive purposes in the new heavens and the new earth of the age to come. According to historic premillennialists, the present age will continue until a brief period of tribulation after which Christ will return to earth to establish a millennial kingdom. At the second coming, there will be a resurrection of believers and a public rapture. And I hope I am with uh, part of that group and I hope that you are as well, my friends. These resurrected believers reign with Christ who will be physically present on earth in his resurrected body and will reign as king forever over the entire earth. Now during this period, Satan is bound and cast into the bottomless pit, so that he will have no influence on the earth during the millennium. After the millennium, this view proposes that Satan is released for a brief period of time, during which he leads astray a portion of the world's population, in rebellion to Christ. And then Christ destroys this rebellion, judges the world, then ushers in the eternal state. The interpretation assumes in contrast to the amillennialist and post that the events described in Revelation 19 and 20 are chronologically successive. Although Revelation 20 is only a passage to specify a period of a thousand years and thus various points, a, pre, and post-millennial, this is not the critical question that separates from other from the other two. You see, the critical question is whether this age will issue immediately into the final eternal stage. "Quote unquote into the golden age, or whether further inter intermediate intermediate stage. While a and postmillenius will refer these passages either to the church age or the final state. Now, conclusion into this introduction into eschatology. The question of the millennium is an in-house family debate among Christians and requires diligent study coupled with a willingness to engage in robustly biblically, biblical texts and its interpretation. And the differences between these views are the result of hermeneutical, exegetical, and theological perspectives on Revelation 20, and are not a matter of hearsay versus orthodoxy. The hermeneutical questions one may resolve include how to interpret the language and imagery of Revelation, whether to take numbers as literal or figuratively, and how to approach the relationship between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Exegetically, there are differences in how one views the relationship between Revelation 19 and 20 if they are chronologically Successive and recapitulative. Theologically, how one views the relationship between Israel and the church, the nature of the prophecy, and the order of the eschatological events will determine the hermeneutical and exegetical decisions. Now the various views, if nothing else, provide ample evidence of the difficulty and the complexity in interpreting Revelation 20 and the related passages, and this warrants a healthy dose of humility when approaching it. When studying Reve- the, the book of Revelation and eschatology, it is all too easy to lose sight of the call of Christ and Revelation, which is to live victoriously as overcomers of sin, the world, and the devil, and to remain faithful to him at all costs, because he will make all things right in the end. Now, whatever view one thinks best reflects their teaching of Scripture, it must always be kept in mind that Scripture always presents the doctrine of the last things really as motivation for faithful living. That's the that is the basis. And in the end, perhaps John Frame draws our attention. To the most important eschatological point, so far as I can see, and I'm quoting him, every Bible passage about the return of Christ is written for a practical purpose and not to help us develop a theory of history, but to motivate our obedience. And friend, I want you to be a part of that rapture whenever it occurs and let me just say this that there's enough biblical evidence found in the Bible for all three positions but what's important is that you and I are part of the rapture whenever he decides that he's coming back and if you've never accepted Christ I want you to know that He's calling you and today's your day. Today is your new birthday. Today's the day to be born again. I always tell my Bible students the following example. Think of when we extend our hands out to shake hands with someone and they don't shake back. How does it make you feel? If we're going to be honest, it makes me feel really bad. i'm a people person i like to say hi i like to give hugs uh, us Latins, we even kiss each other and but jesus wants to do all of those things with you he wants to hold your hand he wants to hug you and embrace you he wants to come into your life and make you new and friends I don't care what sins you've committed in your life. And if you've ever been told that you are going to hell because of your lifestyle or because of this or because of that, I'm here to tell you that the only person that has the power and the keys to heaven and to hell is Jesus Christ. I do not have the power as a pastor to send you anywhere. Nor does any other pastor on the face of this earth. Our job is to lead you to Christ. To show you the scriptures. And if you accept Christ, he comes into your life. And he's going to guide you. He's going to protect you. He's going to seal you with his eternal stamp of salvation. And if you would like to be a part of his family, forget what anybody else has told you. Follow me in this prayer. And I assure you that Christ is going to come into your heart and into your life. And he's going to make you new friends. Heavenly Father, I come before your throne. I ask you for forgiveness of all of my sins. Father, this day, I want to shake hands with you. Please come into my heart. Please come into my life. Make me new. Forgive me of all of my sins. I want to make you my Lord and my Savior. I want to spend eternity with you. I want to be a part of the church when it gets raptured by you. I want you to guide me and love me and and be with me, Father, every day. Speak to me, Lord. Thank you, Father, for the sacrifice you made for me on Calvary, for you had me in mind. As you were being crucified. And this day my Lord. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus name. Amen. And amen. And friends if you. If you said that prayer with me. I do believe that you are born again. I encourage you to find a good Bible teaching and preaching church, grow in God. You don't have to buy a million books, just buy the Bible and look for the answers to life. I assure you, there's no book that any pastor has written that's better than the Bible. All you have to do is your due diligence, and, and, and get in there and dig and ask the Lord to help you and guide you. And you're going to find all the answers to whatever questions you have. And if you have questions that you can't find, send me an email. I'll shoot you back. Hey, look at this, look at that. And you don't have to give me your name. But I would like to help you in your growth with Christ. If you need me, I'm here. I want to close out this podcast like I do every one of them. And there was a pastor by the name of John H. Osteen. And he would close out all of his TV sermons with the following phrase, which I believe it to be the best. I've never heard a better phrase. So I say this in honor to him for my wife and I enjoyed him so much. Keep Jesus first place in your life and He will take you places that you've never dreamed of. Amen. Friends, thank you for your time and the privilege of being able to share Christ with you. I look forward to talking with you tomorrow. Our podcast is broadcast at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you. And God bless you.